Tonight, I'm going to talk about Ezekiel 37, verses 4 to 6. It's titled, The Unstoppable Word of God. For those of you with a curious mind, you will be interested in today's devotion. I'm going to begin this talk by talking about deadly secrets, the science of decomposition. The study of decomposition is called taphonomy. I wanted to include a little Greek because that's what one does when preaching, so... From Greek, taphos means burial, and nomos means law. So we've got taphonomy, burial law. The science is dedicated to the study of organic remains from death until discovery. So says Wikipedia. In fact, in 2016, a facility in Australia became the first body farm. Here, scientists study how the human body deteriorates. Under different conditions... They study how bodies decompose. They even study how the smell of decay changes over time. Interesting, right? For all you young people out there, if you're looking for a new career, try taphonomy, right? For those of you who find this body farm worrisome, rest easy, all the bodies at the body farm have been specifically donated to science. The scripture we are looking at today is in the book of Ezekiel. This book is full of revelations and prophecies for Judah. In chapter 37, Ezekiel has a vision of dry bones. These bones represent Israel and Judah's desperate plight while they are in exile. Babylon is an instrument of God's judgment on the nation. The vision is a vision of hope. We will read in Ezekiel that God is going to restore his people. The teaching statement for today is, those in sin and rebellion against God are like dead, dry bones. But the Lord God is mighty to save. He saves by the authority of his word and the power of his spirit. He uses people to declare this good news to the world. We'll come back to that. Open your Bibles and let's read from Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 4 to 6. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I see this outlined in three parts. First, a curious question. Second, God's commanding words. And third, a demonstration of the authority and power of God's word. To give these verses a little more context and to kind of talk about the current state of things in Israel, you can describe them as not good. Judah is in exile and Jerusalem has fallen. Babylon has conquered them and deported many people and taken them captive. For a quick review of this story, you can refer back to 2 Kings 25. Babylon has conquered them and the independent political state of Judah is no more. The promised land has been taken from them. First point, a curious question. Let's look again at verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, 
Oh, Lord God, you know. God calls Ezekiel, Ibn Adam, basically man. Not to be confused with the son of man, he's just being called son of Adam. I want to describe the setting of Ezekiel's vision a bit more. He's standing among a great number of bones. These bones lay on the surface of the valley. Verse 2, earlier on in the chapter, tells us that they are dry. They have been in the valley a long time. It's the site of some major catastrophe. These corpses were denied a proper burial and left to the elements and the animals, much like I imagine happened when Judah and Jerusalem were defeated. Ezekiel, who is a priest, would have known the importance of caring for the dead and the burial rites and responsibilities. It was a shocking scene. The question God asks Ezekiel in verse 3, can these bones live? This is a bizarre question. Bones are a sign of death. Think skull and crossbones. And then God asks, do you see any signs of life? Ezekiel answers in in a faith-filled way. He puts the ball back in God's court. He knows that God has the authority over life and death. Ezekiel depends upon the will and the power of God. The second point, God's commanding words. Verse 4, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God is controlling this conversation. God is commanding that Ezekiel get personally involved in providing the answer to his own question. God commands Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. Speak my words to these bones. One biblical commentator writes, Ezekiel issues a prophecy to the bones as if they were a living audience. These bones represent Israel. They have been stripped of the promised land. They are in exile because of their treasonous hearts. They have prostituted themselves before idols, and they had forsaken the Lord their God. They were an unrepentant people and came under the judgment of God. Their exile was a punishment for the purpose of calling them back to God, back to the covenant. The prophecy is from God, of God. God is the only one able to accomplish this work, and by design, God uses man, Ezekiel, as a means of accomplishing his will. Ezekiel is to cry out to Israel, dry bones, you lifeless bones, now hear this and obey. The word here indicates that Israel must both listen and understand. There must be a response that God is calling them back to their land and back to his presence and back to the promises of God. I want to make sure that you see that Ezekiel is speaking with authority. This authority is not his own. The third part, the last two verses, the authority and power of God's words. This is Ezekiel speaking. He says, Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Thus says the Lord. This should signal to everybody that these words carry weight. They are divine in origin. When a prophet uses these words, he is functioning as a spokesman for God, a herald, a mouthpiece. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that prophets are somehow possessed or receive ecstatic utterances. Prophets are not like sadhus. If you're from India, you'll understand 
that reference. Prophets are not like witch doctors. If you're from Africa, perhaps you'll understand that reference. When prophets in the Old Testament prophesy, they are functioning in a completely aware mental state. They are speaking the very words of God. One commentator described this verse in this way. Anticipation is created in both the hypothetical audience, the bones, and the prophet's real audience, his fellow exiles, by alerting them to the impending activity of Yahweh. Behold, now hear this. Whenever you hear the word behold, check this out, should come to mind. God will cause, this is a future-looking verse, God will cause these dry bones to have new life. This immediately makes me think of Genesis 1, creation. God formed man out of clay and breathed life into him. God will give new life by the same breath that he gave first life. Verse 6, and I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Picture the process here. It's the process of new life. Bones reconnecting with sinews, covering these bones with flesh, cover them with skin. It's a reversal of the decomposition process. Why does this prophecy explain the process? Seems to be significant. God is doing more than just giving these bones new physical life. He's bringing about spiritual revival. Look at how the verse moves from bones to flesh to skin to physical life and then spiritual life. To know God is a spiritual thing. This resurrection project is declared complete by the declaration, you shall know that I am the Lord. I want to transition now to take these three points, talk about them then, that's Ezekiel and the exiles, and us here and now. First point, the physical and spiritual condition of Israel in this passage is dead. And so is the condition of all humanity, right? That's true today. The hope for Israel is the same hope for all mankind. Hope is in God and his word. Three, Israel's salvation and believers' salvation comes in the same way, by the preached word of God through the power of the Spirit. So what does this mean for us? I have three applications, a conclusion, and then we're done. First application, great confidence. We should have great confidence in the gospel. We should have great confidence in God. He is the source, the substance, the superpower of the gospel. Ezekiel rightly answers God's question. Earlier in the chapter, Ezekiel is asked by God, do you believe these bones can live again? Ezekiel's answer is profound. Oh, Lord God, you know. Ezekiel knows that God is the only one who gives life, both physical life and spiritual life. Application two, right understanding. We must have a right understanding of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we must rightly understand that God is the author of the gospel. The message, the authority, the power of the gospel is not our own. Right understanding is important because it places us not in the driver's seat, 
God controls. Right understanding is the beginning, and faithfulness is the follow-up. Application three, unbelievers should be told that they are dead. They should be told that they are dead in their sins and rebellion against God. They are very dry bones. This should be really bad news. Dry bones are not a pleasant thing. They need to hear that there is also good news. The God of creation is both the judge who sentenced them to death and the Savior who will take their judgment upon himself. That ends our application, and we're going to jump into what is the gospel. The gospel begins and ends with God. Our confidence in evangelism is not our personality. It isn't our fancy speeches, nor is it our titles, missionary, pastor, or Christian. If God were to ask you in a similar way, like he asked Ezekiel, do you believe that sinners can have life? How would you answer him? Ezekiel's answer, oh God, you know. Considering the gospel, we also know. God formed Adam out of dry dust, and he uh, breathed life into him, and behold, he lived. Adam was created in the image of God to worship and enjoy him forever, but Adam desired his own glory and independence from God. This rebellion brought judgment on Adam and the curse of physical and spiritual death to all mankind. But God, in his justice and love, provided a substitutionary sacrifice for this judgment. God became a man, his name is Jesus, who fulfilled all the law and the prophets and died. But God raised him from the dead, and he now reigns as king of kings and lord of lords. He is calling mankind to repent and believe so that they might have physical and spiritual life. Perhaps when we are called by God to evangelize, our answer is not confident. If today you feel inadequate to do evangelism, the truth is we all are apart from the word of God and the power of the Spirit. In conclusion, as much as we might like to ignore it, death and what happens afterwards are undeniable facts of life. A living thing dies and it decays. Our new word for the day is taphonomy. So what does this have to do with our text? Well, let me tell you. The Bible is the source of truth about a different kind of death, a spiritual death. We are dead and in desperate need of good news. What dry bones in your sphere of influence need to hear? Behold and believe in the gospel, and God will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for prophets like Ezekiel who receives many visions from you, and they proclaim those visions to the people. Lord, I thank you that you have given us clarity of the plan of salvation. Lord, we have access to the truth that changes everything. Lord, I ask that you would work in my heart. I ask that you would work in the heart of our church, that we would be a people that have great confidence in who you are. Lord, that we would seek to glorify your name by telling people the good news of how 
you are our great Savior. Lord, let us never forget the condition of those around us. Those who are lost, those who are without the knowledge of you, Lord, they are dry bones. I ask that you would help stir in us a passion to see dry bones raised from the dead. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.